Welcome to the Lake Show Life Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your hosts, Jason Reed and Daniel Preciado. Welcome to episode one of the Lake Show Life Podcast. I'm Jason Reed, site expert at Lake Show Life. I'm joined by Daniel Preciado, staff writer at Lake Show Life. Daniel, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm I'm excited. This has been something that's uh, been in the works for a while now. You know, we've been planning a Lakers podcast. The Fan Side of Network definitely needed one, and uh, there was no one better to do the podcast with me than you, Daniel. So I appreciate uh, you being my co-host. Appreciate that a lot. Yeah, I'm very excited to get going. I mean, we got big plans for this. Uh, we kind of want to do some like recurring segments. This is going to be more than just like your basic, you know. I want some Lakers analysis. We're definitely going to have that. Uh, you come, we're going to get good analysis, stuff you would see in our articles in audio form. It's also going to be a little, you know, a little humor, a little joking, just lighthearted, you know, Lakers talk, something you hear in a bar, something you do with your friends. Just that's pretty much what we are. We're just two friends kind of talking about the Lakers. So that's what's going to make this great. Um, right Absolutely. now, right now, at the time of listening to this, I don't think we're on Apple Podcasts, but we're going to be soon. Uh, right now, we're on Spotify, Google Play, anywhere else you could really get your podcast. Be sure to like, and I don't think you can like. Can you like on Apple Podcasts, Daniel? Or is that just YouTube? I'm not sure. I think you can just leave reviews. (laughs) I'm getting my YouTuber mentality. Be sure to like and ring the bell. (laughs) Uh, Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, you know, if you're interested in following us. Uh, Reviews are a great thing. You know, I know it's kind of like you hear podcasts talk about it all the time. You've heard this a million times. But five-star reviews, leaving, you know, text reviews, that's great. If you like the podcast, of course. Uh, We plan on doing some future, like, mailbags on some certain days. That's probably how we're going to do like the submit the questions is like reviews. We'll answer some questions. You know, maybe people can join the podcast. Who knows? We could work something fun out. Um, But yeah, just be sure to like and review. This is going to be fun. And there's no better time to start this, Daniel, because the NBA playoffs are starting today at the time of this is releasing. Yes, sir. It's going to be an exciting year for the Lakers and everybody else. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a fun year for sure. Oh, yeah. And these playoffs obviously are unlike anything that's ever been seen just in sports in general. with COVID-19, you know, they're playing in the bubble, no home crowds. It'll be interesting. I mean, the games haven't lacked energy too much up to this point, but it'll be interesting to see how the playoff energy, how it feels with no crowd, uh, home court advantage. This is a good, uh, case study to how important home field advantage is, home court advantage. I should say, uh, Lakers worked hard to get that first seed and it doesn't really matter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be interesting to see for sure. Um, because you know, the Lakers, when they, when they travel, Lakers fans, they like to travel too. Oh yeah. Um, some of those road games, they turn out to be home games, and the Lakers don't really have that benefit this year. It's going to be interesting to see how it affects them. Oh, yeah, the Lakers, they're a global team. It's like the Dodgers, same way in baseball, uh, the Yankees, just these global teams that have fans everywhere. I mean, even their road games against the Clippers, you know, road in parentheses, like that's a 90% Lakers fan. So that was an advantage they were going to have in the potential Western Conference Finals is every game pretty much having a home crowd as much as the Clippers were going to hate that, but... That's obviously not the case now. Now they get virtual Clipper fans instead of virtual Laker fans in every game. <laughs> but uh, the team in the seeding games, I mean, the seeding games are over. Lakers don't play today. They play tomorrow on uh, Tuesday. How do you feel after the seeding games? Because I know the games didn't really matter. I know they went three and five and they were just trying rotations and trying to stay healthy. And that was the number one priority. The first seed was all but clinched going into it. Um, they still didn't look great. I mean, I just want to get your input and what you thought, how the team looked. Yeah, you know, obviously they didn't look like the Lakers we've gotten used to across the regular season. I mean, the Lakers were bona fide the best team in basketball, in my opinion. I think the Milwaukee Bucks and Clippers, you know, they're in the mix for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, what we saw in the bubble is a lot different than what we saw in the regular season. I am not one that's concerned about it. I know a lot of Laker fans are. Um, but as you alluded to, you know, Vogel is just trying to find his rotations, find his, his the moves that he wants to make across the playoffs. Uh, and that's really all it was. Yeah, the three-point shooting was not there. Uh, the defense was a little bit off. Um, and we kind of pride ourselves on defense. We're one of the best defensive teams this year in basketball. Um, so I'm really not overly concerned, honestly. Um, I think we're going to come out with fire tomorrow, Tuesday, um, and be just fine. I really think that we – are the favorites or should be the favorites for the NBA title this year. Yeah, I believe right now the Lakers have the same odds as the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. I believe they're both around like plus 220, 
plus 200 in that range and the Clippers are plus 300. And then it just takes a huge drop after that. Um, Mm -hmm. You alluded to the shooting though. Uh, That's been an issue. And that's part of the thing I was concerned the most about, about the Lakers is I understand the, the, and we've talked about this before, you know, privately on the side, I understand the, the taking, taking it easy, trying to stay healthy, trying different rotations. And yeah, you're going to get guys in there that might not be there in the playoffs. So the shooting is going to dip naturally, but it was bad, man. They they were not shooting the basketball well. Uh, they set a new season low in field goal percentage three times in the first five games, I believe. So they set it with the Clippers. They shot 39%. And then the following game against the Raptors, really good defensive game. That was the game where people got pissed with Anthony, Anthony Davis because he didn't play well. Shot 35.4%. And then two games after that, shot 352 against the Thunder. Um, it was bad, man. And the three-point shooting wasn't great either. They were fine against the Clippers, uh, 25% against the Raptors, 346 against Utah. That's fine. That's passable. And then they had that that stretch with OKC and Houston where they shot a combined seven of, what is that, 56? So that's something that's not going to win playoff games, man. And I know they did, luckily, they did turn it around. They shot 48% the second to last game against Denver and then 42% against Sacramento. That's a positive sign. Um, shooting's just a streaky thing, though, and that's kind of what scares me about the whole, you know, not trying and I don't want to say not trying, but trying new things and kind of being sluggish going into the playoffs. I know it's a LeBron James team, but I don't know. I'm worried they won't get that shooting around. Are you worried about that? I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm worried. Um, I think that the three point shooting can kind of be attributed to just that lackadaisical type of uh, environment in the bubble. Yeah, that's fair. Um, obviously you're going to see a decline. I mean, to begin with the Lakers aren't the greatest three point shooting team. Yeah. They like, don't, they, they don't need three point shooting to win, but they do need it to keep up. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Especially against teams like the Rockets and the yeah. Clippers. And they need those that three ball to fall. I mean, now I was looking at the statistics today and they're 21st overall in three point percentage. Yeah. Uh, and they have some shooters, but that was a, that was a concern. I remember heading into the season that we didn't really surround uh, LeBron James with enough like superstar shooters. And Danny Green was supposed to be one of them. And he hasn't really, you know, fit the bill recently. Um, he hasn't, he's probably been the worst three point shooter. That's, you know, three point oriented for the Lakers in the bubble. Yeah, no, definitely. Without a doubt. Um, he's been bad. There's been a lot of, uh, Danny green should even start conversations I've seen with the Laker fans. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, they were never touted as a great three point shooting team. Um, and that's why like, it's, they don't need it to be successful. They've always been the bigger team that's going to dominate in the paint and outscore teams in the paint. But when you come up with it against a team like Portland, which we'll preview in a second, and then Houston, and then the Clippers, and then probably the Bucks, like you're going to need that three-point shooting, uh, at least you know up to league standard in some regard. Um, I'm hopeful they could turn it around. Uh, Danny Green hopefully takes less threes, but I don't know who's who's going to shoot more with every Bradley gone. You know, Crusoe's not a big three-point shooter. I guess KCP is an option. Kuzma's been shooting the cover off the ball, um, so that's a good thing. But I don't know who's going to step up. You know. That's just a question we yeah. have to ask going into yeah. it. And I'm sure we'll That's get that I'm answer early on. Um, yeah, absolutely. They were also bad on the other side, though, at, at the three. Uh, I'll be honest. I was one of the people that were kind of discounting the loss of Avery Bradley. Not so much as some people. Uh, obviously, no Laker fan thought that it was going to be no impact whatsoever. But it did seem like it shifted quickly from being this big loss for the Lakers to being Oh, we could survive without Avery Bradley. Our record, it, the record was like 12-1 and one without him, whatever it was. Um, he's pretty important to this team, uh, especially the perimeter defense. I have not liked what I've seen on the other side in terms of just closing out on guys and rotations off of screens. They were saved in the OKC and Utah game. They Both, both those teams shot terribly from beyond three, but it's just because they missed a lot of open threes. It wasn't like the Lakers were closing out necessarily. And besides that, I mean, teams are shooting... You know, 44% against Sacramento, 56% from Denver, 45 Indiana. Houston shot only 36, 57 attempts. Can you believe that? Um, 44 from the Clippers, 42, 41 from the Raptors. Like, teams are making threes against the Lakers. And again, I know it's the whole rotation thing, but it's a three-point league now, man. And that scares me. It really does. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to be a benefit or, a, you know, a detriment to the Lakers that they're constructed so differently than a lot of the other top-tier teams. Like, we run the tallest lineup in the league out there every night when we have LeBron James, who's 6'8", six, 6'9", six, at point guard. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's different. You would think that the defense overall would uh, would improve, but that's more of a, like, in-the-paint thing with AD 
and uh, running McGee and Howard and, and LeBron and Kuzma. Mm-hmm. But what about the perimeter defense? You know, I, I was somebody that when Avery Bradley went down, I was like, you know what? We have the perimeter defenders to kind of make up for his contributions. On I that thought end. so as well. Yeah, I was. Yeah. In boat. And now that I see it, I'm kind of concerned about it, but not like I'm not overly concerned, I guess you could say. I think we can totally withstand it. It's just guys like Caruso, Danny Green, KCP have to step up and continue to do their part. Yeah. It's, you know, it it would be different if, uh, again, the lack of energy. We see this with LeBron teams. We saw this with the Cavs, you know, 50 times where they looked lackadaisical going into the playoffs and they just flipped the switch like that. They got a lot of experienced guys on this team. I'm sure they'll do the same thing, but it is easier, especially when LeBron was on the Cavs and he was in the Eastern Conference, when you kind of get a softball toss in the first round. Uh, you get an eight seed like the Detroit Pistons or, you know, the the famous eight seed teams from those years um, where you can kind of try things, get back in the rhythm, you know, maybe lose a game and be fine. That's not the case this year. They have one of the most overqualified eight seeds I think I've seen in my life, the Portland Trailblazers. And that's not to say the Trailblazers are a better team than the Lakers, but they're better than an eighth seed team. I definitely would argue that. Um, so they're not going to have much time to just figure it out. They're kind of thrown into the fire and they have to figure it out right away because you know, with no home court advantage, you fall early to Portland. Who knows what can happen? You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. And uh, the one thing about the Lakers, though, and this is uh, parlaying into our first segment, it's called Staggering Statistics. Me and Daniel are both going to bring staggering statistics to each other, quiz each other a little bit, keep a running score. Uh, the Lakers have played the Blazers a lot in the playoffs. I kind of knew this going into this. Like, I had a, a decent understanding that they faced off a lot, a lot of them before I was born or when I was, you know, still in the in the crib. Um but they've played Portland a lot, Daniel. They've played Portland 11 times in the playoffs. Would you think of that number? Would that be, be that high? Actually, no. I, I mean, the Lakers are always in the playoffs, sure, and ha- have, have historically been. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the Blazers, I, you know, the Clyde Drexler days, they were really good. Yeah. But, you know, since, I didn't really think that they were that good. So they've been, the Lakers and the Blazers have faced off 11 times in the playoffs. Lakers are 9-2 and two in those series. They're 32-16 and 16 overall. Uh, the last time they faced off was 2002. Um, they faced um, three years in a row, all three years of the three-peat, 2000, 2001, 2002. Or was it 99? I think that's the three-peat, yeah. And then they also faced them 98, 97, 92, 91, 89, 85, 83, 77. So there was a stretch from 91 to 2002 where they just only played the Blazers, it seemed like, in the playoffs. Um, seven of the nine times they faced them, they went on to go to the NBA Finals. So... If history repeats itself, you know, there's a pretty good chance that if the Lakers beat the Blazers, which they should, they're the first seed, they'll probably go to the NBA Finals. And in those years that they went to the NBA Finals, they're 4-3. and three. So, And that was kind of carried by the three-peat years. Um, now, here's my question for you, Daniel. There are three teams, three teams in the NBA, that the Lakers have played in the playoffs more than 11 times, more than the Portland Trail Blazers. Can you name those three teams? I'll give you, I'll give you the right answer. If you get two out of the three, then that's considered correct. Okay. Uh, the Celtics. Yes, they've played the Celtics 12 times. They are 3-9 and nine against the Celtics in the playoffs. Oh, man. Don't love to hear that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. This is a tough one. Um, staggering statistics. Is it staggering, would you say? Staggering. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I get three cracks at this? Uh, let's see. You have to get two out of the three. I'll give you two X's, so you get two incorrect answers. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and guess the Houston Rockets. That is incorrect. They have not played the Houston Ooh. Rockets more than 11 times. Okay. Uh, how about the Phoenix Suns? That is correct. They have also played uh, the Phoenix Suns 12 times in franchise history. I can remember. Yep, Na- the Nash and uh, Amari days. Um, they are 8-4 okay, so against the, the Suns. Can you get the third team just for bragging rights? Um, yep. Um... I'm going to guess the Denver Nuggets. Denver is not correct. They've played Denver six times in the playoffs. The correct answer is the third team is the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, yep. That, yeah, that totally makes sense. They are also eight and four against the Spurs in the playoffs. Um, the Suns, yeah, they had a, they had a lot of years, you know, they beat them in 2010. Um, and then you had the Nash years, 07, 06. And then back to the Barkley days, I believe in like the nineties, they played them a lot. Mm-hmm. 93 yeah. they played them in 99 or no 2000 uh 90 89 84 so 85 
Yeah, they played Phoenix a lot as well. But yeah, so historically they win against a lot of teams. You know, they've nine and two against the Blazers, eight and four against the Suns and the Spurs. And then we get to the Celtics, and we don't have to talk about that because the record's three and nine. <laughs> What's your All staggering right, statistic? Question. Oh yeah. Okay, so the Lakers, as I was looking at their stats a little bit across the season, I was actually somewhat surprised by their offense and how not poor it was, but how not as good as expected it was. So here is my question. There are six teams, and they all happen to be playoff teams, that are better than the Lakers, at least in regards to this regular season, that were better in offensive rating, three-point percentage, true shooting percentage, and free throw percentage. Oh, geez. These six teams were all better than the Lakers this year in the regular season. I'm going to give you two freebies, but there are four other teams. So my question is constructed similarly to yours. I'm going to give you the Miami Heat and the Utah Jazz, okay. and I need you to name the other four teams. I, I got to ask, why did you give me the Heat and the Jazz? Just because they're the most obscure ones, I guess. Okay, so four teams. better. It's better offensive rating, better three-point shooting, better free-throw shooting, and better true, true, true shooting. shooting. Well, the Bucks obviously have to be in there. The Bucks is one. Um, man, Brooke Lopez, when did he become so good? Just total Man. sidebar. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's been great. He's been one of the best defenders in the NBA by like all kinds of metrics. He would be so perfect on this Lakers team. But, oh, uh, I know. I wanted him. I really did. But I think the Lakers just didn't want to pay him as much as he got with the Bucks. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the Bucks, um, the Clippers. Yep. Okay. So you gave me... So the Rockets got to be in there, right? Because they're great offensively. No. Oh, how many the I- Rockets are? Believe it or not, their three-point shooting, like percentage-wise, is not that great. It's just that they take so many. Oh that shoot! The points accumulate. So how many X's do I get? Two, like you did. Um, I'll give you a third one because you're having to guess four teams. Okay, so I got the Clippers, the obvious so there ones. Are two more. Are the Celtics a good three-point shooting team? I almost want to just cheat and Google it, but I'm not going to do that. Um, yeah, the Celtics. That is incorrect. What? Okay, I got a for sure correct answer. The Toronto Raptors. That is also incorrect. Oh, my gosh. I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm terrible. <laughs> Wait, so I have a lead now. one nothing. Yeah, you're up one. <laughs> That's fine. All what right. are the other teams? Okay, so the Dallas Mavericks I would are have a guessed team that's better than the Lakers in all four categories. Actually, and here's yeah, the sense. craziest one. The Portland Trailblazers oh. are all kind of six. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh-huh. And I was really surprised to see it. I think it just has a lot to do with the fact that they got Damian Lillard. Like, he kind of carries them in a lot of these statistics. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you got a backcourt with McCollum, too. They're just constructed a lot differently than the Lakers. I don't think that's to say that, you know, the Lakers aren't a better offensive team than the Blazers. Mm-hmm. It's just that the construction's different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I thought it was a good question. When I saw the Blazers in the lead in each of those statistics on top of the Lakers, and some by wide margins, I was really surprised. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would definitely think that they'd be better than the Lakers in some of those, but all of them, especially like things like, you know, true shooting percentage and all that, like, I thought the Lakers, you know, would be up there, but the Blazers, man, their road to the finals or not the finals. <laughs> oh, we already predicting that they're going to go to the NBA finals. Uh-oh. Uh, they're, <laughs> their road to the playoffs, man. I mean, I think I saw a stat. It was tweeted out, I think by sports center. It was like, they had a 0.8% chance of making the playoffs when the bubble started. Something crazy like that. Um, yeah, they just got hot, man, them and the Suns, And I feel bad for the Suns. you know, Suns go eight. No, and don't even get a play in game, but Blazers look good, dude. I think they went what six and two in their seeding games. Yeah, six and two. Yeah, they six lost two. to the Clippers, which was the infamous Damian Lillard missed the free throw game. So they arguably should have won that game. And then uh, they lost by four to the Celtics, who I think are you know a perennial title contender. I think that's the only team in the East I can see beating the Bucks personally. Um, they look good, man. And Damian Lillard, he missed those free throws against the Clippers, and then everyone knows, you know, he just went off, scored, you know, fifty points. What was it, fifty one? The next game. And then average like, yeah, 51. 
Yeah, he was like 51, 60. He was averaging like 56 points over the three games after uh, Patrick Beverly and Paul George heckled him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's why they're so compelling. You know, Damian Lillard, you know, he's the hottest thing in the NBA right now. He got the bubble MVP, if that matters. Um, one take I had, and this is an article on Lake Show Life. You can go check it out, read the full analysis. Kind of got a little backlash for it, not going to lie. Damian Lillard, Daniel. He is this generation's Kobe Bryant. Ooh. Ooh. That's a take for sure. And this is not to say I want to I want to clear this up. Sometimes this doesn't get, you know, uh like it doesn't it's not shown in the writing, you know, you kind of have to say it for people like I'm not saying Damian Lillard is as good as Kobe Bryant. That is not it at all. You know, Kobe Bryant's a top 10 player all time, probably top 5. Damian Lillard's got a long way to go before he's even in that conversation. Um, but just in terms of the closest comparison to Kobe, I saw someone said it was uh, Kyrie Irving, which I just yeah. know. Um, yeah. Lillard's the closest thing. I mean, A, you look at like the thing with like killer instinct. You know, this isn't in like clutch factor I wrote. It's not something you could really measure. I know they do have like clutch statistics, but... You know, Kobe was a killer. He had those game winner, that game winner against Phoenix in particular. Uh, plenty of huge playoff shots, regular season shots. You know, he would always hit a big shot when he needed to. Damian Lillard, arguably the best clutch shooter in the NBA right now. He's got the two most infamous, you know, playoff buzzer beaters, I think, in the last 10 years. He's got the, the Thunder one where, you know, he drained it in Paul George's face and that led him to uh, leave the Thunder. And then he's got the uh, Houston one over, you know, against Patrick Beverly and James Harden, where he drained it both to win the series and advance in the playoffs. Like, you name the five best buzzer beaters of the last 10 years, those two are on the list, undoubtedly. Um, For sure. So he's got that killer instinct. You know, that's Kobe killer instinct. Another thing I like about Damian Lillard, and obviously he's got a long way to go for the rest of his career, he stayed with the Trailblazers. Um he could leave eventually, you could argue. And even Kobe, Laker fans don't like hearing this, you know, even he tried to get out of the Lakers at one point. But Lillard so far has that same kind of franchise loyalty that Kobe had. You know, he he had a chance to leave. He didn't. He signed the Supermax. Uh, he even clowned Paul George and Beverly about switching teams, said they kept running from the grind. Um, it seems like Lillard has really embraced being a trailblazer, has really embraced the city of Portland the same way Kobe did with L.A., and personally, I've never been to Portland. I have read some of their blogs, you know, fan posts and whatnot. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Damian, if Damian Lillard, especially since it's the only, you know, sports team minus the Portland Timbers, he's got the same kind of following in Portland that Kobe has in LA. Kobe obviously has the more global brand and the more global reach, but in terms of like city loyalty, you know, Lillard's on par with that. And the craziest part is the numbers are actually pretty similar. If you compare uh, Lillard's age 25 to 29, which he's 29 this year, and Kobe's 25 to 29, which was Kobe's like prime years, you know. I think that was right. It was during like his 31, his scoring title and whatnot. Let me read you these numbers, Daniel. These are per 36 because Kobe got a little bit more playing time than Damian Lillard. Lillard averaged 26.7 points per 36. Kobe, 26.8. And then Lillard, wow. 6.8 assists, 4.4 rebounds. Uh, Kobe 4.7 assists, 5.8 rebounds. So Kobe averaged 1.4 more rebounds. Lillard averaged uh, just over two more assists, and that's just because Lillard's a point guard. You know, Kobe's a shooting guard. Lillard yeah. shot 44.2 percent from the floor, averaged 19.6 shots from per minute. Bryant shot 0.8 percent uh, better, 45 percent on 19.8 shots per 36 minutes. So Kobe averaged 0.2 shots more per 36 minutes. And then Lillard did have the three-point advantage. And I think that's also, you know, a byproduct of the times. Uh, Lillard shot 37.5 from three, averaged 8.5. Bryant, 34.6 and 4.7. Kobe's a better defender. There's no refuting that. Lillard's not this insane defender. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. And then advanced statistics. Lillard had a 24.4 PER. Bryant, 25.2. And this one is really close. Lillard averaged... 0.201 0.201 win shares per 48 minutes. Brian averaged 0.19 win shares. 0.199 per 48 minutes. So a difference of 0.002 win shares per 48 minutes. And that was in favor of uh, Damian Lillard? Yes. Wow. And obviously, you know, the championships. That's the NBA's favorite argument. Um, yeah, Damian Lillard doesn't have three championships like Kobe had at this point. But if Damian Lillard had Shaquille O'Neal on his team in his early career, he would have three championships right now. So (laughs) not saying Kobe didn't contribute to those teams, but that's like Damian Lillard having today's version of Giannis on his team, you know, earlier in his career, like they would have won three championships. Yeah. So it's interesting, man. It's an interesting comparison. 
Yeah, I I definitely see what you're saying there. And right when you said Killer Instinct, that's what was going through my mind. Um, and the second thing that came to mind, too, was it's just I feel like Kobe and Michael Jordan had that in common, just that Killer Instinct that was above all else. Mm-hmm. I don't think Damian Lillard has it to the same effect, obviously. I mean, those two guys are some of the greatest competitors uh, that oh, yeah. uh, American sports have ever seen. But Damian Lillard still has that killer instinct, and he's, he's shown it with uh, clutch shots in the past. But when you were when you were talking about Damian Lillard right now, what came to mind was the amount of times in the last dance where Michael Jordan said, you know, I took it personally. Mm-hmm. That kind of what Damian Lillard does is he kind of seeks out criticisms and stuff, and he just got that from Patrick Beverly recently because of the, uh, the missed free throws. Yeah. And then he went off and averaged 56 points per game over a three-game span. Yeah, like he took personally, you know, and it takes a certain kind of uh, athlete and and mentally tough human being to be able to go out and do that. Yeah, especially too, you know, and I, I can't hammer this home enough. Um, just the franchise loyalty. I don't really knock guys anymore for switching teams. I know LeBron kind of started that, and he gets you know the bad rep. KD gets the terrible rep. Um, I don't knock guys so much anymore for doing it. I don't knock AD for forcing his way to the Lakers. I don't knock Kawhi and Paul George colluding to get to the Clippers. Um, but it, it is something to say that if you do stay with your team, and I'm not saying Trailblazers are a bad team. You know, they still got CJ McCollum and others. Um, but he had a chance to go somewhere. There was a lot of Damian Lillard Lakers speculation. You know, he had a chance to go play with another top 10 superstar and be on a title contending team. Like, imagine if... And not, not again, not against Kyrie Irving. Imagine if Damian Lillard was on the Nets instead of Kyrie Irving, and it was Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant. How lethal that would be! Like he easily yep. could have done that. You know what I mean? And he didn't. So there's something to be said about that. And I think that's something yeah. we haven't really seen since Kobe. It seemed like Kobe, even though he did try at one point to leave, he did pride himself in being a Laker for 20 years. You know, and he was part of the organization. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Dame is to Portland, man. So just yeah, a fun little comparison. Right. I respect it for sure. There's not really many guys built like the Tim Duncans and the Kobe Bryants anymore. Oh, yeah, I mean, I thought sure. Westbrook was going to be going that way with the Thunder, but it, it eventually came to a point where the front office was kind of ousting him. So, I don't yeah. know. Damian Lillard, I see him in a Blazers uniform long term. Yeah. I mean, if any of the listeners have a better comparison, just, you know, let us know. Let us know down in uh, either on Twitter or in our, in our reviews on the podcast page. Like, I would like to hear it, you know. I know Jason Tatum maybe gets a little buzz for that. I don't agree with Kyrie, but if you think that, you know, everyone has their own opinion. (laughs) (laughs) But the Blazers are more than just Damian Lillard, Daniel. Um, You know, they're a collective team. Damian Lillard by himself is not going to beat the Lakers. You know, Lakers have two superstars against one superstar. They just win the superstar battle. Uh, Where do you think they match up well against the Lakers in this playoff series? I think it's just with the guard play. They're guard-oriented, and we're kind of big-oriented, even though I wouldn't consider LeBron James to be a big to the like the modern definition uh-huh. it's just it's really guard play against stalwart defense down low and it's kind of because the blazers we know that they don't play good defense it's yeah. kind of like our strength against their strength and our weak or sorry let me repeat that our strength against their weakness and our weakness against their strength yeah <laughs> but i think that we're stronger defensively than they are offensively and okay. that's the reason why I think the Lakers are probably going to win this thing in maybe five games. I'll give the Blazers the game. Hey, hey, hey! We're we're supposed to end the episode with the the series prediction. Don't don't give too much of a oh, teaser. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just the three point shooting. You know, if they if they're on fire and they just have like a historical performance, like this is again, you know, I don't want to beat the bear of bad news, but it will probably would take a historical showing. But they could beat the Lakers again. Take a historical showing. Could also be the Houston Rockets of two years ago, where they just brick everything and look terrible. Um, Another little bit advantage, I think I'd give the Blazers, uh, and I wrote this in our outline, they kind of have more playoff experience together. Uh, the Lakers obviously have more overall playoff experience, you know, outside of AD, uh, LeBron's finals experience, Dwight Howard's got finals experience, JaVale McGee, you know, Danny Green, the whole nine yards. Um, but together as a unit, the Blazers have been there and done that. Um, maybe that gives them a little bit of an edge. Uh, I don't think it's anything, you know, substantial though, personally. Do you think that plays a factor yeah. at all? Um, you know, the Lakers have developed a, a nice camaraderie already. And when you have LeBron James on your team, that is beyond battle-tested. I just think that kind of negates what the Blazers yeah. kind of have done together. Like the McCollum-Lillard kind of um, 
you know, duo that they've been to battle. I don't know how many times together. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that just having LeBron James is such an edge. If you were to bring in, if say the Lakers had their big two as Paul George and AD, I would be a lot more concerned just because of the lack of uh, playoff, of playoff experience between the two superstars. Mm-hmm. But when you have LeBron, like that's just, it's just such a leg up in the playoffs. It's a trump card. LeBron, LeBron. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what he is. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I just want to talk about it a little, see if I was the only one thinking that. <laughs> um, where they match up poorly with the Lakers you already mentioned uh, Portland you said they're not great defensively I'll take it a next step they are terrible defensively um, yeah they're bad they let you know they let the the Nets almost beat them which I mean the Nets have kind of been the surprise of the bubble overall so you know take that with what you may um, but then even against the Grizzlies they didn't look great and that was a Grizzlies team without Jaron Jackson um, they just don't have good defense and the Lakers are a team with two superstars who are arguably two of the most like unstoppable, just isolation superstars. Um, I don't see who guards LeBron James, CJ McCollum. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I don't, they don't see it. So, you know, other teams have guys. I don't see who guards him. Um, and then another thing is just the Lakers are going to dominate everything around the rim. Uh, they're going to, you know, Lakers scored the second most points in the paint behind the Grizzlies. Uh, the Grizzlies scored, I think, 58 points in the paint or 56 against the Blazers in that playing game. That's going to be, you know, they're going to score 50, 60 points a night in the paint. Uh, the Blazers are one of the worst teams in terms of allowing offensive rebounds. Uh, you know, the Lakers are obviously solid in getting offensive rebounds. And I just think this is going to be a series, you know, where the Lakers get a lot of second chance points. They get a lot of looks inside. And again, it's if the three-point shooting can be hot enough, to keep up with that because that is a huge, I think the difference, the mismatch down low for the Lakers in the Lakers favor is much bigger than the mismatch at guard play as good as Damian Lillard, you know, and CJ McCollum are, you know, the Lakers are at least competent enough defensively to not get torched there. Whereas I don't see, you know, how Portland stops the Lakers down low. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, when I was looking at stats for the uh, staggering statistics segment, I, I think the stat that I came across that I was, most pleased by was that the Blazers have the 27 or the third worst in the NBA defensive rating. Mm-hmm. The Lakers have the third best. Yeah. That's, that's an enormous mismatch. And on the offensive side with offensive rating, they were a lot closer. Like I said, the Blazers have a better offensive rating than the Lakers, mm-hmm. but it wasn't by much. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I think it was ninth and 10th or 10th and 11th or something along those lines. Okay. So it's not some huge difference. Yeah, it's just it's going to come down to the Lakers playing absolute tough defense and at least keeping up with the Blazers offensively. And I think that we could see some games where if everything's clicking for the Lakers, we could win 15, 20 point games. Yeah, there's going to be specific players, though, that matter, which, uh, again, prompts us to another segment idea. And bear with us, kind of a, a cringy name, but it'll grow on you. <laughs> this was my name, so feel free to attack me if you think it's cringy. Uh, for the games and for the series, we're going to have our purple and gold players. So explanation, purple and gold, obviously the Lakers colors. That doesn't need to be explained. Uh, gold is a Lakers role player. Now we're excluding superstars because obviously you could say, well, Anthony Davis needs to play good for the Lakers to win. Gold is a Lakers player who we want, who we think needs to thrive who needs to play good for the Lakers to win this series. You know, gold is good, it's money, all that stuff. Purple is a Blazers player who we think, role player, who we think needs to be either limited or, you know, they're, them performing bad is going to be in the Lakers' favor. And the logic there is like purple, you're getting beat up by the Lakers, you maybe got a bruise on your arm, you know, got a little Charlie horse from LeBron James. Um, so that's the explanation for that. Daniel, give me your give me your purple player. Who's your Portland Trailblazers purple player you think needs to play bad slash will play bad and lead to the Lakers winning. I'm going to go with Yusuf Nurkic, uh, center for the Blazers. Um, he just went off in the play-in game, uh, 2020 game. Oh, so yeah. he's actually coming, coming off strong. I know his grandmother passed away, and he had one of the best games of his career, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, rest in peace to his grandmother. Yes. Um, but the reason I pick Yusuf Nurkic, I think that AD will probably be the guy that ultimately guards – Nurkic and I mm-hmm. think he's going to be pretty much kept in check just given how good AD is 
on uh, on the defensive end. But the Blazers, with just McCollum and Lillard, were a fringe playoff team. Yeah, and I think Nurkic had the ability to take them to almost like a fifth, sixth seed type caliber playoff team. Mm-hmm. It's almost it becomes a three headed monster instead of two. Even though Nurkic maybe isn't the best, like he's not a superstar by any means. I wouldn't even call him a star. Mm-hmm. But I would argue that Yusuf Nurkic is the better of the third best player on each team. Like our yeah. third best player is who? Kuzma, really? Is really the way they're playing right now. Yeah. And I would say that Nurkic is, is better than Kuzma. Yeah, that's fair. And yeah, I think that he's the guy that has to be kept in check. I really think that he will be just given the way we're constructed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think he kind of takes them from a fringy type team that the Lakers are going to, absolutely pound to a team that you know can maybe stay afloat with the lakers yeah um similarly i have another big for the the blazers is my purple player and i like your nurkic logic um maybe if we didn't talk before the episode and make sure we didn't have the same player i would also have nurkic but i'm not confirming nor denying that's what happened um (laughs) i'm gonna go with another big hassan whiteside who is just one of the most interesting players in the league like you look at his box score and you're like, dang, this guy's really good. But then you watch him play and you're just kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about Hassan Whiteside. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how much he gets on his new contract. But, you know, he's a big, like you said, I think Anthony Davis is going to guard Nurkic. He's going to be, you know, responsible for stopping that, you know, third star aspect, which kind of leaves Whiteside a little bit open. Uh, you do have Dwight Howard. You do have JaVale McGee who have been great shot blockers and just, you know, all, all around rim protectors this year. JaVale not looking great in the bubble. Um, so I feel like some of that, you know, some of that attention down low that would normally go to Nurkic offensively for the Blazers might go to Whiteside. We've had, we've seen Whiteside have these big games where he scores 30 with 15 rebounds, puts up Shaq box scores, you know, um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Blazers are expecting Nurkic to kind of be slowed down by Anthony Davis and are focusing more on Whiteside in the offensive game plan. Um, averaging 15.5 points. 13.5 13.5 rebounds, 2.9 blocks per game. So he's also going to be the most important player for the Blazers in stopping the Lakers from dominating the glass. I mean, all year the Blazers have still struggled, so I don't think Whiteside alone is going to shift that narrative. But he's going to be, you know, he's pretty much their only hope when it comes to around the glass, so defensively and whatnot. So I think that's the player. If if you can keep Whiteside from having these insane Shaq-like games, which, again, isn't that hard. It's not like... Man, we have to. It's not like stopping Giannis from having that kind of game. You know what I mean? It's just stopping Whiteside from having the career series of his life. Uh, then I think the Lakers are in good shape. But if we're three games in and Whiteside's averaging 25 points and 15 boards, then the Lakers are probably not doing well. So that's my purple player. Again, I don't yeah. think it's likely that Whiteside is that well. But you never know. Yeah. Things happen we'll in the see. playoffs. Weird things happen. Yeah. Who's your to gold your point, player? Oh, oh, go ahead. Continue. To your point about Whiteside, I was going to say, was Zach Collins got hurt in the playoff game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where he stands right now. I'm pretty sure he had like some type of leg injury. Okay. But what I started to realize was that the Blazers started to run a 5-4 combo of Whiteside and Nurkic. Because Nurkic can space the floor a little bit, like Zach Collins kind of brings to the table. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how that factors in. Because those two guys, it's kind of an unconventional pairing if you really look at it. Because Nurkic, I mean, he's, I wouldn't call him a threat from three-point or from mid-range or anything like that. But he's not a slouch. He's not a slouch by any means, no. So it's going to be interesting to see without Zach Collins, if they are without Zach Collins or he's limited, uh, how that works down low uh, with the Lakers and their rotations. And maybe Dwight Howard gets more minutes matched up against Hassan Whiteside, something like that. We'll see. Yeah, it's interesting, man. The Blazers, you just, I, I'm be honest, I kind of forgot about Zach Collins. Like, <laughs> you know, he's just, yeah, there's so many, like, the Blazers have some talented guys, man. Zach Collins, he's only, what, in his third season? If he gets even yeah, better in, like, guy. two years, like, the Blazers, man, I'm just saying they got talent. Who's your gold player for the yeah. Lakers? <laughs> I'm going to go with Danny Green. Um, the man himself. And the reason, the reason I say Danny Green is because, I was so excited when we got Danny Green. When we signed Danny Green, we found out we struck out on uh, on Kawhi Leonard, and a couple hours later, we got Danny Green. I was really happy. I thought it was a, a very, very good consolation prize. I thought he was a going to be a great role player for the Lakers. He's really disappointed 
to me, and I think every Laker fan can kind of attest to that, especially after seeing him in the bubble, doesn't yeah. look too great. Um, yeah. But the Lakers are going to need the three-point shooting, and they're going to need to get it from him. He's another player that, you know, I don't, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I think he's the second most battle-tested player that the Lakers roster uh, in terms of playoff experience. It'd either be it maybe Rondo, but he's hurt. Rondo's hurt, yeah. So, yeah, yeah probably Danny Green. In the too. But uh, with Danny Green, I think what the Lakers need to kind of to prove their strength, I guess you could say, um, they need Danny Green to play at his best. Yeah. Because they need that perimeter defense. They need that three-point shooting. And that's what he provides normally. And he's he normally comes alive in the playoffs. So we've seen him. Like, Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green would go on these insane stretches last year with the Raptors on the playoff team and the uh, NBA title winning Toronto mm-hmm. Raptors. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think Danny Green is the number one player. I think that your guy is pretty good also um, <laughs> for a similar reason as Danny Green. Um, but yeah, I would love to see him step up and, and really play his role. Yeah, so to just to talk about Danny Green for a second before I get into my player, um, there was a little bit, and I feel like this is natural, any fan base this happens, maybe there was a little bit too much excitement about Danny Green. Uh, to be fair, he was coming off an insane season, shot 45% from beyond the arc, but... I mean, before that, he hadn't shot over 40% in, like, five years. Uh, he's a great player, don't get me wrong, but I remember seeing, you know, stuff, even, like, Brian Windhorst saying uh, this was the best 3 and D player LeBron ever had alongside him. And that might be true, but I think there was just a little bit of inflated expectations. So his play this year, I think, definitely was below what he could have done, but I don't think it was far below what, you know, his ceiling was. So I think that's just – I mean, the bubble play is – that's just terrible. I'm not saying that's not <laughs> – Yeah. That's been bad. Yeah. I mean, he's bricking threes and throwing air ball alley-oops to himself. So <laughs> looking yeah. like me at 24-hour. Um, yeah, the thing that scared me more about Danny Green, too, was actually the defensive side more than the three-point yeah. shooting. I mean, if he's shooting 36% in the playoffs or something from three, like that's totally passable. That's about where the Lakers were pre-bubble yeah. from three, which is pretty good. Um, but the defensive side, like when we signed him last season, like last season – by a, a ton of advanced metrics, he was a top five defender. And mm-hmm. I would argue that he was the best perimeter defender in the NBA last season by the numbers. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, you got Kawhi Leonard, you got Robert Covington, guys like that that are better names. Mm-hmm. Um, but Danny Green was excellent. And he's really taken a step back on that end this year. I don't know if that's because of age. I don't know if that's because of usage and, and uh, you know, rotations. But he needs to step up. Yeah. Uh, my gold player, player that needs to thrive for the Los Angeles Lakers. He's a fan favorite. He's a meme. Um, according to Luca DeAngelis, our writer, great article, three reasons why Alex Crusoe, the player's Alex Crusoe, is more than a meme. Um, you know, he's important to this team. I know that, you know, he's Bleacher Report and ESPN and all these outlets, you know, pick up viral Danny Green moments if he gets a dunk or a good defensive stop. You know, it's just – it's it's viral worthy and it's because Danny green does not look like an NBA player. I don't need to beat around the bush with that. Uh, he doesn't, he looks as much of an NBA player as I do, but he is 1000 times more athletic than I am. Um, <laughs> the reason he's important and it's, you know, kind of like Danny green, like you were saying is just defensively. Um, if the Lakers do get upset and lose the series, like I said, it's going to be because of insane shooting and just Dame goes off and McCollum has big games and the guard defense is going to be what stops that. Alex Caruso right now, I would argue, with especially with Avery Bradley out, is probably the best defensive guard the Lakers have. Um, he can be a little bit limited offensively in terms of, you know, shooting threes. I've seen him pass wide-open threes so many times. Uh, I just saw it again in the bubble, and I was laughing. Uh, wide open, just couldn't be more open, and then he passed it away. Um, but defensively, that's what matters. They don't need him to score. They got LeBron. They got AD. Even Kuzma and Kuzma's out there. Danny Green, hopefully he gets his shooting back in, back in form. Cruz was fine being the fifth scoring option and his defensive play, whether it's in isolation against Dame Lillard, whether it's on switches covering Lillard or covering McCollum, it, it, it's going to be important for this team. And I, I, he's just more than a meme, Daniel. Luca was right. He yeah. is more than a meme. And I don't think he's as like super great, but he's more than a meme. 
And that's what we need to bear, we need to pound to the ground. Alex Caruso more than me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm on board with that. I'm I'm a a hundred percent Caruso Stan. <laughs> is it because of the memes or is it because of his play? I think it's because he's a meme, but I know he's more than a meme. <laughs> I think he's kind of our best kept secret, to be honest with you. I think there's probably guys around the league that, you know, don't take Caruso as seriously as they should. Yeah. And who knows? They might find out why they should be paying more attention to him after these playoffs. So me and you are both baseball guys. Uh, this is a comparison that I think hits it right on the head. Alex Caruso right now is what Bartolo Colon was late in his career. Bartolo was a huge meme. You know, he hit that home run and everyone went crazy. But he was still a pretty solid pitcher for, you know what I mean, for his age. Yeah. So I think yeah, that's, I think that's, that's a good comparison. <laughs> Alex Crusoe yeah. is the new Bartolo Colon. If Alex Crusoe hits like a half-court buzzer beater, it's going to go viral just like the Colon uh, home run. <laughs> yep, yep, for sure. Um, so, yeah, Alex, I got Alex Crusoe, you got Danny Green, and then for the purple players, we both went with Biggs, Joseph Nurkic, Hassan Whiteside. Now, Daniel, you're a gambling guy. You are a, a genius, I should say. And just in terms of analyzing things, in terms of gambling lines and whatnot. Um, I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. I'm one that is known to use my gut. Um, <laughs> whether or not that's effective, I will not say. The over-under and the spread for this game has already been released. Um, I just wanted to get your insight on it and kind of just a little prediction. It doesn't have to be a take-it-to-the-bank prediction, but just what you would pick on both the over-under and the spread if you were to bet this game. Um, so the Lakers currently are favored by six points. Okay. Um, and I was looking at it earlier today. There's a ton of money right now in the Lakers. I think it's 96% of the money, but only 55% of the bets or something crazy like that. So that means there's a lot um, of big bets on the Lakers, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. I would, my pick right now would be Lakers minus six. I think that they're going to win the game, but I do think that they'll win by more than six points. Okay. I think that it will be in the 10 to 12 range if I had to guess. Okay. For the over under, I would definitely like, I might even, you know, bet this myself is the under 229 oh. and a half. Okay. Um, and the reason why I say that, I think the Lakers do come out and play very solid defense in game one. Um, I, I'm looking at the score maybe somewhere around 115, 103, something like that. Oh. Um, I think that that's, I think that's a fair estimate um, because we know the, how good the Lakers can play defense. They're not really a fast-paced team on offense. So if they have the reins and they control the pace of the game, I think the under hits quite easily. All right, Daniel. Uh, we'll also keep track on this. This will be a recurring just talking yes. about the gambling aspect of it. It's 2020. We don't have a cool name for it yet. We'll think about that. We'll workshop it. If you have any ideas, let us know. Um, it's going to be interesting because one of us is going to have a potential two-game lead on this series because I'm differing from you in both aspects. Um, I think the Lakers are going to win. Um, I know I've been a little bit of a negative Nancy this podcast, and I apologize. I do think the Lakers are going to win. My dumb brain, six points seems like a lot to me. And I think the Lakers will win by like four or five. So I would take Portland plus six. Um, it's going to be a shame when they lose by seven. Well, it's not going to be a shame, but it'll be a shame for this series. Um, <laughs> and then in terms of the over-under, was it 229 and a half, you said? 229 and a half. I'm taking the over, my friend. Um, I like that you think the Lakers are going to play great defense. And that's definitely something that could happen. I think Dame goes off. I think the Blazers score a lot. I think the Lakers score a lot because the Blazers have terrible defense. And I'm just looking at, you know, and this doesn't really mean anything, but I'm looking at their three matchups this year, 136 to 113, 128 to 120, 127 to 119. So they're scoring 120 points average between the two teams every time they play. It's actually, if you break it down, I think it's like exactly like 123.5. One twenty. Yeah. I think two of them's one twenty three point five average. If you combine the two teams, then one of them is one twenty four. Anyways, my dumb brain. I just go off what's already happened. So I'm taking Portland plus six and the over two twenty nine and a half. And with you know with what you just threw out, maybe I lean the over too. Now that I think about it, you, you already uh, locked it in. I'm sorry. Prior matchups, but you know what? I locked it in. I'm gonna stick with my under. You could you could bet against what you said on the podcast. That's fine. But for the sake of the podcast, it's already locked in. Um, it's final. 
you know, it's set in stone. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. I like that we had two different ones. <laughs> <laughs> and then final series prediction uh, to wrap up the show. You kind of already previewed this. Uh, how many games, who do you got winning, how many games, and why? I got the Blazers sweeping. No, I'm kidding. I got the <laughs> Lakers in five. Lakers in five. Okay. So you think Blazers, maybe Dame Lillard has a big game, um, steal a game from the Lakers, Lakers gentlemen sweep, as they call it in the business. Yep, absolutely. I think I think that makes the most sense. I really don't think the Blazers are a poor enough team to get swept by the Lakers. I know how good the Lakers are. Like we watch them all the time. Yeah. But I think the Blazers are good enough to stay afloat, like I mentioned earlier. I could see them taking one or two games, but there is no way I see them winning the series collectively. I don't I don't see the series going seven. Um, I think that odds of it going six are also really low. If I had to put money on it, I would say that the Lakers take it in five. Again, we're a little different. I got the Lakers winning. I don't got it in five games. I don't got it in seven games. So do I have it at four and six? What do you think? Do I think it's going to go four games oh, or six games? You're going in, You're going six. I'm going six. But it's going to be one of those six-game series where you knew the whole time the Lakers were going to win. It's going to be the classic. right? If I'm right about this, I need people to pay attention and come back to this. Because, you know, I might just need to buy a lottery ticket. Lakers are going to go up 2-0. Control the series. Blazers are going to have the classic, can't go down 3-0. Let's rally. Boom. Two games to one. And then they're going to have a hard-fought game four. Lakers win. Up 3-1. You know, oh, X amount of teams have come back from a 3-1 deficit. Ha-ha. Golden State Warriors. Ha-ha. Uh, boom. Blazers win. 3-2. Clipper fans start chirping. Are they going to blow a 3-1 lead? And then game <laughs> six, Lakers just blow the Blazers out of the water. It's one of those six-game series where the Lakers were in control the whole time, but you know it's went six games, and that's my prediction. Yeah, I think that's a totally fair prediction right there. Yeah, if I'm right, I mean, people better keep listening to this podcast because I'm going to give some great picks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's it for the first episode of the Lake Show Life podcast. Uh, it's been fun. Our plan for the playoffs right now is we plan on doing some post-game uh, post-game content slash pre-game, you know, like preview the next game for every playoff game during the playoff run. Uh, they're going to be a little shorter than this episode. So, for example, the playoff game is on Tuesday. We're going to have our post-game slash pre-game preview for the Thursday game up Wednesday morning or Wednesday afternoon, sometime in that range. Um, we're going to do that for all the playoff games throughout the whole playoffs, all the way to game six of the NBA Finals when the Lakers win their title. And then once we hit the off season, you know, it'll be more of a set schedule, maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Monday, Friday, whatever we do. Um, that's the plan again remember to subscribe to our podcast feed leave us a five-star review if you like this episode that helps to reach other people maybe tell a friend about it if you listen to this podcast i think everyone listening should tell one laker fan friend i just think that's that should be a requirement daniel oh yeah absolutely and then it just balloons and balloons and balloons and then we just have a great community together (laughs) oh yeah fantastic daniel do you have anything else before we uh, send our listeners on their way um hmm. go lakers <laughs> go lakers I'll, I'll be balling every day.